0: Thou shalt drink craft beer. Thou shalt drink craft beer.
1: (laughs) I'd be more likely to follow that 11th commandment than if that were the case. Tech Hockey Guide presents... The Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the WCHA with your host, Tim Braun, Rob Gilreath, and Dustin
2: Lindstrom.
3: Thank you to our new introduction from Mitch Lake. Welcome to episode five of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, This week, our guest is Shane Frederick from the Mankato Free Press, but he'll be joining us a little bit later. So let's do the thank you notes, plus a brief note from our sponsor, and we'll come back and start with uh, the review of the Clarkson series, I guess. Huh, guys? Sounds good.
1: That'll do.
2: All right. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time.
3: welcome back let's discuss the Clarkson series and its paralyzed implications and then maybe we'll get into the Joe show a little bit uh from this week um I don't know about you guys but it was frustrating Saturday night I know Dustin you kind of hinted that this might be the way the weekend went but I certainly until that five minute major I didn't think it was going to go that way I thought I was going to be right but it all kind of fell apart for them in that one minute during that major penalty.
0: Yeah, I think Clarkson is, you know, like I said last week, Clarkson's a good team, and they showed why they're a good team. They pounced when they had an opportunity, and they played a very solid game after that.
3: It was tough. You know, once they got the lead, Tech struggled. I mean, they had some opportunities, but
0: um, on
3: the Joe show today, he did talk, or this week, he did talk a lot about. Uh, and even post game about it, kind of playing into their hands with all the penalties that the, the he that Clarkson was able to shorten their bench and and really focus on their their top line and get them a lot of playing time with all the special teams that happened in that third period and it, and it certainly helped them.
1: Angles in their top line was definitely given given Tech a run for the money. So the more time those guys can spend on the ice with the the power play situations, you know, it's only going to play to Clarkson's favor there. I think when we were rolling all the lines playing without the special teams, you could tell that we got a little bit more depth, I think, even than them. The third period on Friday, I think, is one of the best periods of hockey I've seen Tech play, and it was ridiculous. Uh, what was it, 18 shots to two shots or something like that was the final uh, byline, shot line for that one?
3: Yeah, I don't know, something like that. I know it was not, uh, it was a good game. I did enjoy it, you know, and it's not that Clarkson didn't have their chances, but it did feel like. That was a game. It I guess both teams could have felt like they should have won that game, but it did feel like Tech was the team, maybe more so.
1: Um, well, I think without the special teams, we we come away winning that that Saturday night game.
3: Well, but I I meant Friday with that domination in the third that we had all the chances to to get the lead. Um, not so much overtime, but. You know that third period. I don't I think. Thought we, did we
1: have a shot in overtime? I don't know.
3: We don't have a shot. I don't on goal think we did. That registered.
1: And yeah, I don't it was, think we uh, got
3: charts for some reason. I don't know. I'd have to talk to Jonathan about that. Um, but yeah, it was eighteen to two in the third, three nothing Clarkson in, in overtime. I mean, it, it did feel like a game that was back and forth enough that you understand, like, like maybe neither team was happy with a tie, but they both deserved something out of that game. Yeah, and, which and, is
1: you know how the game should end in that case, and not go to stupid stuff. Both teams played well, like uh, back and forth.
3: I, I, I now have a term for it. I saw it on Twitter. A couple guys were complaining that the Clarkson game didn't continue into super time. Apparently
1: yeah, that's no, stupid term. time is more stupid
3: like stupid
1: it. <laughs> oh. I don't mind the original overtime. The original first period of overtime, five on five, is fine. That, I, I kind of do give them that like, chance. I like put it. it. On, put it on the line.
3: I like it, but I don't like the fact that from a pairwise perspective, it doesn't matter if you win in the 62nd minute or the 59th. That's what I don't like about it. Sure. Um, like, I feel like if you're tied after regulation, it should mean something to pairwise because that's the apples to apples comparison. But Yeah,
1: I could see that.
3: Who knows? I don't know. What you got going on over there, Dustin? What do you got anything else to say about Clarkson?
0: No, I don't think so. It, it unfortunately it did kind of turn out what I was expecting. Uh, they did give me a little bit of hope on Saturday night, so that <laughs> kind of sucked for me too. Oh, uh, the
1: arena the arena was buzzing too. It, and then it just like deflated <laughs> after that five.
0: So, Rob, um I just wanted to call back to last week. Um
1: No. <laughs> we don't. We don't do that. We live
3: in the present here, Dustin. A- apparently, scoring the first you have, goal wasn't you have no record the best of this.
0: idea. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, I think All it's right. always a good idea because I still think we're better when we score first than when we don't. But we are not perfect.
1: I'll add a part two to my uh, to my rules for winning a hockey game: score the first goal and then continue to not give up more goals.
0: i think i'll take scoring the second
1: third and fourth goal yeah those would have been fine this weekend too
3: (laughs) regardless regardless of (laughs) who scores the first we can get the three that's always a good thing right
1: all i know is that uh volleyball spikes i I think those ought to come back into style and be legal i'd have thrown my hat for a volleyball spike goal
3: yeah well the the, (laughs) the swat in yeah by i yeah Broxman yeah, it was Brezmin again. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bretman
1: is the one that swatted it down. Yeah, and uh, I was in the blue line box, you know, for the game. And in between the periods, a couple of the older guys, that a couple of old goalies, were talking about that, and uh, specifically mentioned that that would have been a fine goal in their in their time. I don't know why it's not a goal now. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I think I get why it's not a goal, but uh, no, yeah. I I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd want that to count. I like,
1: yeah. He didn't go directly in.
3: No, it went off the goalie. He bounced bounced
1: it off the goalie first. That should count. Yeah. yeah. The other team touched it. Clear possession right there. not a goal in
0: broomball either, so.
1: (laughs) I know. I I actually had to whistle a broomball goal down for that last night down here in the Fox Valley refing.
0: Yeah. Well, when some um, professional wrestling guy decides to make the hockey version of the XFL, then... Then it, that can it, be legal, it, right? It be, yeah. Anything will be legal. If the if the puck is in the net, it doesn't matter how it gets there.
3: Why do I have a feeling that that will never happen?
1: You just got to throw the glow puck back on it, and if it's hit by a hand, it turns a different color.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, so one other thing, Joe kind of touched on it in this week's show too, was about pairwise implications. I think he was a little... Heavy-handed on the numbers, but let me pull it up here because I did post it for you guys. If they had won Saturday instead of losing, like held on, not had the, the stupid major, Tech would currently be 11th in the pairwise and have 178 more points in the RPI. Instead, they're, what, 19th right now, I think? 18th. 18th as of today? Yep. Because I know there was some Sunday games that tweaked it a little more
0: yeah i looked just before the show it was 18th
3: all right uh let's see so that's seven places in the pairwise and 178 points um we're gonna go to the interview with shane frederick now from the mankato free press he was nice enough to join us Uh, his phone connection wasn't the best but we really are just learning how to use some new equipment and we didn't really know how to fix it the best so i apologize in advance but here's the interview with shane frederick So, uh, welcome to the show, Shane Frederick from the Mankato Free Press. Um, I suppose we can get right into Minnesota State last weekend and the season. I know you didn't get to watch in person, and I actually saw you complain a little bit about Flow Hockey. What happened there for you? Well,
4: I think uh, it was weird on Friday night, the the whole first tournament. Was not on flow hockey. They kept changing the time of when they were going to try to get it going. And I don't know if it was a connection from inside the arena. I'm not 100% sure how that all works. So, um, you know, I feel bad.
1: I'm pretty sure we can just blame it on the fact that uh, Northern sucks. Northern sucks.
4: Yeah. We'll
1: just
3: blame it on Northern sucking. (laughs) Because Rob has to say that every week. I'll, uh, I'll.
4: <laughs> I'll let you guys uh, handle that part of it,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> but it was just unfortunate to get to watch the first period of it. I know there were a lot of other MSU um, Mankato fans who were uh, upset about it. Uh, you know, considering the the run that they've been on and the, the winning streak and being number one in the country, I think uh, there's just obviously a lot of interest down here in Mankato and amongst uh, Minnesota State fans. So some disappointment that they didn't get to uh, see the beginning of that, but eventually uh, they got it going. So, and then it was fine. I think it was fine on Saturday.
3: Well, that's good. Um, It's been quite the run for you guys. Um, What are your impressions of them through the first
4: half? Well, you know, it's funny, you know, I was thinking about today a little bit about the, um, you know, having that winning streak come to an end on on Saturday night and, and probably some Amongst fans and, and the team itself, but uh, to be 15-2-1 uh, uh, through the first half of the schedule um, at, at the exact halfway point, uh, I don't know if anyone would have saw that coming, even with uh, as good as everyone thought Minnesota State was going to be this year, uh, considering everybody who's been back. Um, so it's really been an impressive run that they've been on. Um, you know, planning uh, a, a pretty tough schedule for the most part with North Dakota, uh, going up to Minnesota Duluth. Arizona State, uh, playing Tech, uh, playing Northern on the road, both of those uh, road trips. Um, pretty challenging schedule off the bat, and to be 15-2-1, you um, probably couldn't ask for much better than that.
3: Yeah, it's it's been pretty impressive. I know um, the last week or the week before, we talked a little bit about uh, Dryden McKay and just how amazing he's been this year. Uh, did you really expect him to be quite that good?
4: I I don't think I expected him to put up uh, even better numbers at least so far than he did last year. Last year he put up uh, pretty impressive uh, ones. I, I think what's amazing and I wrote a column about this a couple weeks ago um, is that you know over Mike Hastings' time at Minnesota State um, there really hasn't been any consistency year to year with the goaltending other than the numbers themselves. But in terms of uh, you know who was actually the you know the guy in goal. Um, you go from Stephon Williams to Cole Huggins, back to Stephon Williams. Um, Huggins then kind of shares things with Pulaski on and off for a couple of years. You have grad transfer and Connor Cuvier and you have Bryce McKay coming last year. Um, and then after that, uh, you don't know what's going to happen this year. and They bring in a pretty, you know, what looks like uh, a prop, could be a promising freshman in Jackson Stauber and McKay takes the reins again, I, you know, you just never know with that position, as, as you well know.
1: Didn't Stauber leave now, too?
4: Yeah, Stauber left right before Thanksgiving, went back to junior hockey. Um, so he's back in Sioux Falls, and he's, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if he, he saw the writing on the wall, thinking, I might be behind this guy for three years, <laughs> and uh, I want to get, you know, I want to make sure that I'm in a, in a spot where I can compete and play. And so, um, he chose to go back to junior hockey. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you, you kind of go, well, I can't blame him, but then you wonder, hey, you're, if you're the backup goalie on a potential, uh, you know, WCHA championship contender, or possibly a national championship contender, um, you never know when the goaltending, when that next guy's going to be needed, whether, uh, it's because of injury, because of a dry spell, whatever it might be, uh, but, you know, he decided to go. Uh, uh, he decided to go a
1: separate ways. I got to admit, I didn't realize that McKay was only a sophomore. That's depressing from our perspective. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, and it, it has been pretty impressive the the run they've been on. Because I know I've talked to. Uh, uh, I can't think. You're Todd. Is it not or cannot? I c-
4: cannot. They, cannot it, yeah. It, it, the Yeah.
3: yeah Yeah, i've talked to him a couple times down at the uh showcase here in blaine and and you know it's it's always amazing how they they find a way to get another goalie that does really well and and there's always seems to be turnover yet it's always somebody steps up and puts up good numbers and then you know dryden's kind of taking it to the extreme this year but um yeah it, it seems like no matter who you guys get in there, somebody steps up and, and does well, and, and and that's a good thing. It's just kind of amazing how the run they've been on with goalies and, and the turnover, but the success.
4: Yeah, and I think part of that, you know, I, I think they, they feel like they have a really good goaltending coach, a volunteer assistant, Brendan, P- P- Brendan Potter, say, uh who's been with them for quite a while now. He does a great job with the goaltenders. And, you know, I, I, a lot of times, um even as good as those goalies have been um, consistently um, o- over the seven years here, a lot of times they don't even get the credit uh um, <laughs> maybe they deserve because uh, people have raved about the way Minnesota State plays defensively in front of them and holding uh, opponent's shots on goal to around 20 to 22 a game. Um, and so those goaltenders don't necessarily see a lot of shots. But I think I do think that Dryden McKay is different um, in just the way he plays, his demeanor, his consistency. Um, you know, even when those other guys were going well, uh, you would see them. You know, maybe they'll give up. You know, every other weekend, you know, a, a, a bad goal or this or that. You just don't necessarily see that with Dryden McKay right now. And uh, but a lot of credit goes to him. And when you're batting 55 on the same percentage, and I don't care how good it is, defenses in front of you that's pretty
3: darn good yeah it is it's pretty impressive um so you've kind of seen them play pretty much everybody so far in conference like what are your impressions of the rest of the league this year
4: yeah well I haven't seen them play Bemidji yet which I'm really curious about because obviously they've had they had another they had a good strong uh, start to the season uh, as well Uh, so I haven't seen them play and I don't think they have not played uh Fairbanks yet but um but yeah I I think as far as the league goes uh, you know saw Bowling Green uh come into town and you know take a game uh and I I think they're really good again uh even with the coaching change I'm really you know was really impressed you know they had so many veterans back as well um and, and I think that's the that's the key in this league um it's just the veterans and the way they're playing. It's interesting to see Tech right now um, kind of, you know, went through a little bit of a lull there and, and kind of rebounded really nicely since then. Um, and, you know, I thought they played strong, uh, especially, I think, was it the second night um, against Minnesota State, where Dryden McKay was kind of the difference in that game in the first period, where uh, MSU got a little loose defensively, gave up a few odd-man rushes and a breakaway, and I think he stopped 31 shots that night, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and um, so you know that was a chance for uh, another team to, to try to take some points off Minnesota State, and um, they weren't able to. But it seemed like they rebounded well after that weekend. Um, you know, Northern—they're just an interesting team because of the turnover that they've had from last year. Um, and like I said, Bemidji, I, I want to see them play yet, and before making a, a, a real uh, determination. Lake Superior is interesting, I and mean, I know they lost a lot of key guys from last year, but also have a lot of key guys back. So I'm a little surprised about them, you know, being off to a little bit of a slower start. Uh, I, I would expecting them to have a little better uh, first half um, themselves. But I, I think it, it seems to be a strong, you know, it seems to be a bit stronger uh, conference right now, you know, um, than I think it's been. Uh, and I think it's going to be a pretty competitive second half.
3: Yeah, I definitely think it's at least six deep, and and it seems like, um, and maybe it's fair to schedule the last couple of weeks, but they're finally getting better. And I agree with you. I don't really understand. Like I know Lake State lost a lot, but or lost a decent amount. But I, I'm kind of surprised they're where they're at. But um, some of that is I I do think, you know, Minnesota State's probably a little better than people thought, but Midgie State is certainly. Um, outperforming my expectations so is alaska and then bowling green tech and northern like it it, it's pretty it's still pretty top heavy i guess it's not all that surprising that there's another there's kind of two stratifications right now with anchorage and huntsville at the bottom and then lake state and ferris kind of hoping to make or you know expecting to make playoffs but maybe not fighting for home ice and then you got you know Minnesota State at the top, and then five other teams trying to get the other three home ice spots.
4: Yeah, I, I think maybe the biggest surprise to the league is uh, maybe not necessarily Bemidji's record, but the way they're doing it, they're scoring a lot of goals. <laughs> that's the thing that I keep seeing. is, uh, And that's not, you know, when, they, when they've made their good runs, it's, it's usually been goaltending and defense first um, with some timely goals sprinkled in, and they've scored a lot of goals this season, so um, I, I think that's Kind of been impressive to to watch and we'll see if that kinda of lasts into the second half.
3: Did you guys even realize that? Bemidji State's no, tenth I'm, in the country and goals scored per game.
1: I'm. I just pulled up their schedule to look at it and they've put up seven twice this year.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I, what did you they're tenth right now in goals per game, did you say?
1: In the country, yeah. In the country?
4: That, yeah. Wow, that's
1: Yeah, that's like the exact opposite of what I think of when I think of Amidji State, for sure.
3: For as much as we talked, what, the last week was it, or week before, about the question about how boring the WCH is based on shots? Right. We have four teams in the top 13 in the country in scoring offense right now.
4: Yeah, I think there's, you know, right now I think their reputation kind of precedes them. I think people kind of look at the last few years and they look at the bottom half of the league and they know about what's happening with the teams leaving in uh, after next season, and they oh, know about that. the bottom and, and and all. But all that stuff combined, I think that gives the league a certain reputation that I think is um, really you know defying this year. Um, not just and it's not just Minnesota State being number one; on, on they knocked, they're number two now. But um, it's not just that. I think it's the number of teams that are scoring goals. It's the it's the solid. Um, uh, the solid defensive play. And, and another thing, I mean, I was talking to Mike Hastings about this before going up to Northern Michigan. If you look at the, the really good veteran defensemen in this league, uh, the seniors, Ian Scheid, uh, Philip Ballou, um, Alec Rauhauser, I mean, it's a, you, you start going through some of these uh, defensemen who have played a ton of minutes and a ton of games, and, they're, you know, these guys are going to be pro hockey players, you know, in a year. I just think it's an impressive, uh, you know, there's just some impressive um, things about the WCHA this year that, you know, you once you've you got to kind of crunch the numbers, like you guys said, or just then just kind of start realizing, hey, you know, this, um, it, it's a dangerous league. And you know what? They're also doing this year. They're playing pretty well in non-conference play. They are. I mean, check, you know. Um, you know, have a solid weekend. I mean, we're toe to toe with, with Clarkson this weekend. I mean, I, I just think that um, they're it, it's a it just seems stronger
3: all in all. Yeah, and we've got we talked a little bit last week about the upcoming non-conference games. We got what fifteen of them left, Dustin. Is that right?
0: Yes, that should be right. Yes, because the only
3: ones this weekend were Clarkson Tech, and and we kind of talked maybe they'd win eight of those. Now we're looking at. Six or seven, maybe with Tech not winning any yeah, last we weekend. Or, but we
0: said eight or nine.
3: Eight or nine, and I think we kind of expected one of them to be last weekend. But but we got know, a, it's a tie. So yeah, we that got for half. You know, the next two weeks, <laughs> you know, between your trip to uh, Mariucci Classic and Tech at the GLI, you know, there'll be four teams at those two tournaments, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how many non-conference games we actually get out of those two tournaments, whether or not. Um. Bemidji and Minnesota State end up meeting in Tech and Ferris. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks to see how the teams do going into that first weekend of the new year when Tech plays Arizona State and see where you come out. It's going to be a big thing that helps determine whether or not, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, one bid, two bids, three bids, who knows. And then and then it's just going to be a matter of not um, finding a way for the teams that have a chance at a – at large bid to not lose to those bottom three, four teams in the league and kill their pairwise
4: right and 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 I think so the, the hope is if everyone's done you know better you know if everyone's in a little bit safer position pairwise uh where you, where that's not going to kill you like it has for bowling Green you know in recent years, and it almost killed them last year. I mean it just they uh you know they went into that championship game. Uh, they thought needing to win, as it turned out, as that game went on, uh, they were they did they were in because of other uh, results from from that night. But they were um, you know because of a loss to Huntsville late in the year, suddenly they dropped way down in the pairwise, and you know suddenly the pressure was on to try to win that you know a, a WCHA championship game at Mankato, and uh, you know I you just hope that you know they don't kill themselves. Uh, and put themselves in a position where it's really difficult, um, where you have to make sure you can't stumble, you can't have a hiccup, and um, that's you know that, that puts a lot of pressure on these teams, I think, throughout the year, um, and I think it makes it tougher even come tournament time. Um, and I'm not saying that's why MSU hasn't won an NCAA tournament game yet, um, but you know I think maybe there's a little bit of a factor there where you just, you, you have to be so careful during the season where, you know, in, in, at least in the past, if you're an NCHC team, you're, um, you, you know, you lose at Miami or you lose at Colorado College, but those, when, when those teams were at the bottom of their conference, it wasn't hurting them.
3: Yeah, you, you can, you can win three out of every four games or, you know, go 500 for a couple weeks and you're, you're still in a good place. Cause whereas, you know, tech, we did the math, and if Tech had lost one of those games to Anchorage, they lose 200 points in the pairwise, but they swept and they basically dropped a couple spots because of what happened else- elsewhere. So, like, it, you know, like, and I think we talked a little bit about that last week when um, Drew Evans was talking about Eigner and how he gets really nervous when you p- play these bad teams because it's, they're almost the more important games because. You know, winning doesn't help you, but losing kills you. And losing also kills right. the perception of the whole league to everybody. Like, the top teams. yeah. But the problem is, like, if we have four teams in the top of our league, that means between those four teams, they're getting, you know, a minimum of six games against those bottom three, four teams. And so we've got six chances to lose, whereas the rest of the country has, like, 12 total and right and it can right. really add up where where we look bad because we're the ones that lose to those teams but we have a lot more chances to do it and and it's just tough but um yeah i think they're in a better place this year
4: right and it's tough in a sport like hockey where you know a, a good goaltending performance or you know your power play or whatever it might be just kind of can change the uh, the way a game goes and suddenly you're you know you're you're scrambling. I, you know even Minnesota State on Saturday night up at Northern. I mean they um, they weren't. I know they they started a different goalie and he wasn't bad, but they also didn't give him any goal support. And Nolan Kent played really well for for Northern and um, Minnesota State gets its first loss in a long time. I don't think it killed them a lot. I think they went from one to three in the pairwise, but it's also December. Uh, Fourteenth or whatever it is. Today. Yeah. So maybe it's not. Maybe it's not so uh, so terrible right now. But uh, you know, it's just weird things can happen and, and really change the uh, the way things uh, look in those rankings.
3: Yeah. So you brought up the NCHC and uh, and the whole teams leaving stuff from from the Mankato perspective. Where is all that sitting at for you guys? <laughs> you. I'm I'm kind of excited that this might be the last week we have to talk about this for at least a month.
1: Yeah, that'd be great.
4: (laughs) Well, since we don't really know anything more than we knew on June 28th when this all dropped, uh, you know, we don't have to talk about it. That's true. It's a weird time right now in college sports. I mean, you're looking at—I mean, it's unrelated, but things. College dropping football is a big deal. Enrollments down. Minnesota Duluth just laid off a bunch of faculty. I mean, there's all kinds of things in college, uh, in in you know, just not just college sports, but you know, university uh, situations that everyone's got to be a factor of and pay attention to. Uh, you know, it wasn't all that long ago people were worried about you know the viability of Lake Superior State. Not just their, not just their, uh, uh, Apple. Athletics, but the school. So, you know, everyone's got to, if, if they're, everyone's going to do this the right way, um, a la the NCHC, I, you know, I've been as big a critic of the way the NCHC went about this from the beginning, at least how they announced things, how they put this all together. But you can't argue with their success now that we're in 2019, not just on ice, but what they do um, in, in all the other aspects of what they do. It's a, it's a model college sport conference and i think that's what these seven teams seven programs um, especially Minnesota State and Bowling Green and Tech and Bemidji those in the northern the schools that really focused on fixing their own uh, house after conference realignment i you know i think they got to think they got to know that everybody's in on this and to do it the right way and, and and to do it in a way much like i think the NCHC has done it
3: yeah, it's hard to argue with with everything they do. I mean, I like their um their app from I mean, I got to watch the one of the well, what was it? One of the Minnesota State Duluth games for free on the app. I like their product. I was a little annoyed that you can't embed their highlights, but I guess they want you to go to your their website all the time. <laughs> um but no, like I like everything they do. I like the whole um like the far more um, like instead of just our conference call where nobody knows how to mute their phone, you know, you've got the, <laughs> um, you've actually got like an in-person get together somewhere to like promote the league. Uh, it, it it's hard to argue with what they're doing, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many like what kind of requirements these, you know, the the three or four teams that are really pushing this impose on all seven or eight of them to make it happen because we've talked a lot about i think as tech fans we're pretty spoiled when it comes to WCHA TV stuff
1: yeah i would agree with that
3: and when you go watch another team produce a road game that tech's on like you're like what is this product like why is the score not right why is the clock not right what are the penalties <laughs> right now like you're just you're just lost in it and it feels like you're watching like Public access.
1: No, high the public access hockey. TV we get to watch is great. Bemidji is public access well, they TV, were. They're, they're their, not their production's anymore. fantastic. They were. <laughs> oh yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah. They were
3: right, right. But yeah, it's it's crazy how. I really like the teams, and I feel bad for the three that have, are currently being left behind. But at the same time, like I just don't feel like they're as invested. But I also feel like some of the other. You know, five schools that are part of this are also like not quite pulling their weight and doing everything the way
0: I would hope the new league is going to make them do it. But we'll see. Well, more more than just the the online content, like yeah. streaming, like you're saying. I think there's facility issues in those schools. Uh, I think there's a big facility issue with Ferris. Um, there's not a lot different from Ferris's arena to the arena that we're complaining about every week in Anchorage that they're playing in now. No, it's just that the, the the video looks a little better because you're
3: not looking through a net, but it's still low ceiling. I mean, I've never been there myself, but when I was at the the showcase, one of the coaches was joking that the ceiling there, like at the showcase, was higher than the ceiling at the one at Ferris. <laughs> so it's 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 kind of a a crazy place.
1: I love how we've all skated around trying to actually pronounce the name this entire no, I'm time. I'm Not
3: even trying. I'm not going there. <laughs> the place at Ferris.
1: Yeah,
4: that's why I'm a writer, not a broadcaster. I can yeah. just write it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: that makes it easier.
1: But yeah, there's like you said, there's definitely some facility issues at some of the other schools that are a part of the seven. So, you know, I, what do they do to make what do they do to make that better as we go forward?
3: And you know the production quality of the TV stuff, the highlight packages. The highlight we talked about that a couple yeah. of
1: times, and that's one of the things that there's a big difference in the way some of the teams do highlights across the league, uh, as well. Some of them are super frustrating to watch. I don't understand how you can have a highlight package that doesn't show every goal that's scored in a game. <laughs> that makes no sense right. to me. Yeah,
4: yeah, I 100% agree, and I think that's uh, and those are the kind of things that you you, could, you have to build that fan engagement too especially if you go forward, you have to, you have to find a way to make sure that um, people are invested in this. And it's a tough time in college sports right now. And uh, I, I think we're seeing, you know, it's what's I saw somebody make a comment about, uh, I think Pat Royce in the start on the star tribune on his uh, Twitter. He talked, he made mention of a, a really small crowd at St. Cloud state this weekend and was wondering about college hockey crowds and what the problem is. Well, You know, one area where maybe the WCHA is kind of lucky right now is you have, hey, Minnesota State's, you know, averaging 4,500 people a game roughly right now. Um, Michigan Tech has had great crowds, um, you know, seemingly, you know, especially in post-conference realignment. Uh, Ferris, you can say what you want about their building, but it always looks like there's a lot of students there. Um, You know, uh, Bowling Green's doing great. Bemidji does okay I know they had a few attendance issues of, not that long ago because they were worried about um, uh, TV and I think their games were taken off the public access for they were hoping that would get more people to go to the uh, go to the rank but um, you're fighting all that stuff and you change leagues and you change all that stuff you got to find a way to really engage I think the fan experience um, because I think that's part of it especially if they decide that they want to I don't know if they would want to do this, but if they want to have a conference tournament, a, a neutral site, um, you know, like the old Final Five, that sort of thing, I don't know if they would, but if that's something that's part of what they want to try to do, you have to build that fan engagement throughout the season. Well, I
1: mean, look at you look at the Big Ten attendance right now, M- Minnesota and Wisconsin are just a shell of what yeah, they used to be from a fan engagement perspective. Mariucci looks it's downright yep. depressing to see a picture of Mariucci. <laughs> yeah,
4: that's not and that's not good. That's not good for the sport. I mean, that's not good for the sport across the
1: board. Yeah, that's supposed to be your big flagship school over there in Minnesota and it's
3: Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the big sad. ten. It's sad. It's it's weird I,
4: cause I don't I
1: think they priced everybody out. It's yeah. plain and simple. They priced out their fans. Not everybody can pay this, you know.
4: I think they were charging like $5 tickets uh their last home series. So if they're, oh. if that's all, if, if they're fine, if it's lower in prices, uh, doing it, I don't know. what I don't know what's going to do it.
1: You've pissed off a lot of your base though. You have got people that were season ticket holders for years that were priced out of their seats by asking for more and more money that have just stopped following the program. Yep. And then you take and steal all of the in-state rivalries away to go to a league that frankly, I don't think a lot of Minnesota fans care about from a hockey perspective. And, it's a recipe for wrong, you
0: know, once you lose those once you lose those fans you can't get them back they didn't want they didn't want to do it though no, say that <laughs> well as long as we brought up the
3: gophers, I have one other thing that we could probably all talk about a little bit um, uh you know over the weekend we lost uh, Doug woog a former player coach and broadcaster um while I've never been a huge fan of the Gophers uh I, it's still a big loss because before we had a WCHA streaming package. I remember spending a lot of time watching Gopher games, especially hanging out with you, Dustin. We didn't always have anything else to do other than listen to Tech and watch the Gophers.
0: Well, for the yeah, for quite a few years there, where we were roommates that was the only college hockey game you could find on TV. Yeah,
3: and I remember it being like the only college hockey games I got to watch when I lived in Ohio was when Tech played at Minnesota. So I always remember watching Moog and Frank Mazako and having a blast enjoying those games. I know they were always fun to watch. Um, you know, my condolences to his family and the gopher hockey community. Um, anybody else have anything else you wanted to say about that?
1: Well, that's one of the guys I can remember from being a little kid when he, when they used to come up to tech, you know, we got, we've had good buddies that have, have come over from Minnesota for a while and they've always had good things to say about, about Woog. So yeah, it's definitely sad to see.
4: Yeah. You know, um, it's really sad. And I, you know, my condolences go out to his family and, uh, all, all the people who played for him, and i you know when i um i I thought he and Frank were great uh on t v um when they would play mankato um it was fun to just talk to him just for a couple minutes. he'd always have a, a comment here or there to say um when he was kind of starting to get done broadcasting, he sat next to me during the in the press box for a a, a gopher um uh, uh maverick game. And uh, we we had a good we had a good time. I was really enjoying listening to him talk about. Uh, he had a comment about somebody dumped a puck in. Did the whole thing where uh, they dumped a puck in at the red line and went off for a change. And he got mad. He said he always hated it when players do that. And I'm like, well, what if they're at the end of their shift and they just need to do that? And he's like, just if you're at the end of your shift, just get off the ice. <laughs> I just thought <laughs> it was so funny. Um, but but yeah, you know the thing is about. Uh, uh, about Doug Woog that I always appreciated was, um, you know, for me when I started covering uh, college hockey, uh, I was uh, the editor at Let's Play Hockey um, for uh, five years before I moved to Mankato, and um, I, I it was uh, late uh, nineties, nineteen ninety five. I started that job, uh, and, and Go for Hockey was huge. I mean, we mentioned earlier about the the attendance at Mariucci and. How sad that might be right now, but, uh, in the late 90s when there was the North Stars were gone and the Wild hadn't started up yet, Gopher Hockey was kind of king when it comes to hockey in Minnesota. And you get 10,000 people there and his teams were really good at the time. And I know, you know, uh, he didn't win, didn't win a national championship, but, uh, I just remember some big games there and listening to him and talking to him, uh, as I was this, uh, neophyte hockey reporter who didn't necessarily know a ton about the sport. Um, uh, I, you know, I just always appreciated talking to him. I never felt like I was out of the loop or outside some strange hockey inner circle that, you know, I wasn't supposed to be around. Um, I always felt good, uh, talking to him. And, and so, uh, you know, I just have a, if, if there's a little, um, you know I, I i just a little sadness you know because i think about my career and, and covering a lot of his games and talking to him a lot early on and and uh so yeah he'll uh he'll really be missed no yeah.
3: well thanks for joining us shane i think uh we'll get back to more of our wcrr tech topics here i think we can probably let you <laughs> all right go and uh enjoy the rest of your night thanks for joining us Yeah, like you. hey you're welcome uh time, guys thanks a lot yep thanks shane Uh, Before we start, I have one big uh, thing to talk about. Uh, We have our first patrons on our our Patreon site, and beyond beyond giving all of them a big thank you for being first, maybe we should take a, a little bit of time to explain what exactly is going on with Patreon and what kind of benefits you can get by signing up yourself. We currently have two levels of support. Our lowest level is the white level with the nice classic Husky Dog logo from like the 70s. Uh, it's based on a $2 per month gift and you receive a uh, question priority, a link to our discord chat, which a bunch of you probably already have because we used to just give it out like candy. And then a thank you note from us, uh, a special thank you from us on the podcast, which we're kind of doing right now. Um, the next level is the black level, which requires $5 a month and, uh, you receive everything on the white level plus an early release of our podcast plus extra content because we like to edit it down to a more palatable 60 minutes but you die hard you're probably going to get closer to 90 minutes most weeks we'll see how that really goes over the next month or two um, but we usually try and publish the full episode on patreon around you know late Tuesday night depends on how much time I have to edit and and then the last gift that we're doing for now for sign up will while supplies last is an authentic mtu hockey jersey patch um we basically have the choice between the new husky dog logo or the up patch both patches that the team currently wears on their black road jerseys for more information you can check out our patreon page at patreon.com slash tech hockey guide and now uh, let's give out a thanks to our first four patrons uh rob you want to go first
1: Sure. Uh, thanks to Steve Buck for joining.
3: And
0: Dustin, you got a name too? Yeah. i um, going to give a shout out to Mark Bailey for being one of our first patrons. Thank you. And then I'd like to say thank you to
3: Marvin Wilson for also signing up this week. And I recognize him uh, a little bit already from the Discord chat. He had a nice little comment even to uh, earlier uh, this week about uh, the Joe show that we will kind of touch on a little bit later. And then lastly, we'd like to thank our editor... Uh, Alex Slipak for signing up and being the fourth patron. Um, We really appreciate all of you guys taking the time to sign up and we hope you enjoy the extra content. Um, If we can get a few more patrons to sign up, I will start doing a monthly podcast covering recruiting and probably have uh, interviews with future players and or some junior coaches like uh, Brad Patterson or maybe uh, Pat Mickish. We'll see how that all goes. Um, Now back to our regular discussion. Um, We talked a little bit about Clarkson, but we didn't really get a chance to talk about the Joe show before Shane came on. And there were a couple pretty interesting tidbits to discuss. Probably the biggest one came from Mighty Texter on Twitter. He made a comment about uh, how Joe is demonstrating his mis- he misunderstands millennials and effectively telling potential recruits to look elsewhere. I think the first point I want to make is any potential recruit is not a millennial anymore. They're too young. Uh, but beyond that, <laughs> um, Dustin, you kind of had something you wanted to say about this, didn't you? Millennials? No? Did I?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I guess all I all I was going to say is it that part of the conversation didn't really bother me, um, because I think a lot of the points that Joe was making were grounded in truth, uh, and I don't like the generalization of saying that the entire you know, group of millennials, the entire generation, you know, is this way. But you see a lot of this. The, the, these same complaints from coaches across a bunch of different sports and it seems like it, it it's, it's a trend in the, in, in sports now. And I think there's maybe something there. It, it doesn't mean that it's an excuse for that. Joe should be using because it's his job to coach this age kids. So yep. it's, it is his, uh, he needs to deal with it. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for him on it, but, uh No, I think the bigger
3: problem is the, uh, but I guess it doesn't, it doesn't really sound a whole lot better if he's just like kids these days. You know, it's just in general that like, I I think he's just better off talking in more general terms about how, you know, youth has always had a problem with selfishness and it's very hard. I think he made a good point just talking about how we have to constantly remind ourselves and other people that. There are other people to worry about, not just yourself, but that's an ongoing thing for all of us. Like even at, even now, and I guess I'm almost a millennial, but like, you know, we all have that all the time where like you have to remember that what you do affects other people, not just yourself. And it, and it's a hard thing to, to remind yourself and, and with the instant gratification that we get with the internet and And everything else these days it's very easy to just focus on you and just ignore the we and all of it and 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 i don't blame joe for being frustrated with that but he has to understand that that's not really anything
1: new i think the instant gratification thing we've talked about it a couple times just with stuff like ordering stuff online (laughs) just to get the podcast going right Right. you know as, as we were talking about getting equipment when we've ordered things off of, you know, more specialty sites that aren't Amazon I and mean, it, it takes us 3 days to get something and we're all getting frustrated. Yeah. But I don't think that's a millennial thing. That's just a culture of the times we live in thing more than a millennial thing. Yeah, but it,
0: the, the, the,
1: everybody but- now expects that. I watch people that are older get frustrated when their website doesn't load. That's not just millennials. That's everybody in this instant gratification culture.
0: Yeah, but it's uh, I think it is a little different when you are you know, coming of age and maturing in that type of situation compared to it being exposed, you being exposed to it when you're older, for the first time. But I think that I think that, it, I think that has a bigger impact on players today than 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 you guys do because that constant want to be on a you know, Sports center top 10 and be able to go onto YouTube and watch your highlights and or get talked about by butchagrass or whatever yeah
1: or tweet tweet your commitment
0: yeah how many followers do you have on Twitter and, and all of that stuff that none of that existed 10 years ago and that has to have some impact on it it, it, it yes the kids have been selfish selfish for years but it is easier for them to be selfish now.
3: That's true and I also think your high school your 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 younger kids like the the star athletes are getting coddled a lot more than they did 10 15 years ago. You look at that with college well, football think... and everything else like like they get handed everything because the coaches need them to do well and at a certain point those kids start playing other kids like them and they're not as good anymore. Like you can't put up 70 points like you did in BC or or manitoba or wherever like you you have to work at it and you're not just going to get it because you're the best kid on the ice every night like that's not the way it is anymore and i think kids struggle with that too
1: looking at that from the other coin though one of the things joe mentioned on the show is that he compares a lot of what he's doing to parenting these guys are adults let's not look at it as parenting them anymore treat them as adults and maybe they won't be so coddled there's got to be some blame on the generation above that's treating the kids this way that's perpetuating the coddled response if they continue to get coddled they're being parented rather than being i don't know part of this is these guys are they're college age students they 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 don't need parenting i think that's the wrong word to use there part of the time to me well i
3: don't i don't think it is cuz it's not it's it's more like um i think Part of that culture Joe's trying to create is a family environment, and and that comes from like he's the patriarch figure of that family that he's going to be the parent, and it's more of a.
1: I think mentoring is a better term to use there than parenting. Well, I think parenting. I, think you're, I think means you're, getting you're telling hung up somebody, somebody they're that, wrong.
3: That, that like parenting stops when you're, when your kid goes to college. You know, like it. No, it doesn't, I'm not like, trying to say that. Like I get but. you're saying mentorship, but at the same time, like. Um, you know, like mighty texter talks about him being afraid that recruits will get turned off because he, the way he's talking, um, you know, he doesn't understand them. And I don't think that's the case at all either. I think he does. And I think his biggest struggle is like, like the way he talks is that yes, he understands that these kids, um, there is a lot of me and i think that's a lot of what he's trying to do is teach them that there's more to it than that and that like like the more he's able to teach them that the team success breeds individual success that he's going to get through and and get what he wants out of them and i think even if they don't realize it like i think that resonates still that like like you know team success is important you don't want to be the best kid on alaska anchorage do you when they win four games like you just that's not what you want you want to be a part of a winner and 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 it's okay to be like the second best center on the best team in the league you know like i don't think anybody's complaining about being the fourth line
0: guy on minnesota state right now dryden mckay was complaining about being the backup goalie
1: right no i think my point there though is just that i think a lot of this a lot of it is really negative toward millennials by everybody else right right
3: it's a terrible trope that's the problem
1: Right. And I struggle with the fact that the generations that have raised millennials have like completely distanced themselves from the fact that they're the ones that raise kids this way. They completely disavow any blame whatsoever.
3: Yeah. Like you in our chat, you were making the point about like, you're the guys that invented the participation trophy, not us. Like you're just we we just took them.
1: Right, yeah. You handed trophies to small children for years, and now they don't get them, and it's a big deal. Who made them expect that?
3: Or like the whole take like, some blame we don't yourself. Score, but yet all the little kids know who won. Right, like.
1: Right. Yeah. Exactly. T-ball has to always be a tie. Why? I'm pretty sure as little kids we understood who was playing better than the other in t-ball. Says the guy but that you made says every single okay. t-ball game a tie. Ties are okay as long as they're not forced. <laughs>
2: Uh-huh. But
1: uh, I don't know, I don't want to go too deep into the social, social rant, because I think that puts us in a bad place if we haven't already gone there. No,
3: <laughs> and, the, and the only other thing that really came up on the Joe show, um, unless Dustin wants to give us his, his weekly take on, I don't remember what you call it, whatever, you can go for it.
0: Um, and the, the, you mean this week's uh, analogy of the week?
3: Yes, the analogy of the week. I think we're going to have to get some kind of audio drop for that. I'll work on it.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I think that would be great. Um, So this week's Joe Sean, analogy of the week, and this is a classic, but uh, uh, the first time that we've talked about it on this podcast. An an oldie but a goodie. Yes. uh, This week, uh, Joe compared defense to a dog and offense to a cat. I'll just leave it at that, and you can interpret it any way you
1: want. I think my favorite part of the analogy of the week is that Dustin provides no context. He just gives exactly what was said, and that's perfect for the segment. <laughs> well, I think like, we've all heard that Go listen to it. Figure, enough, out, so figure out what he said. For, for the <laughs>
3: listeners who aren't Joe Show fans, like, that, that might be interesting, but I don't know how many of them we actually have. We'll, we'll have to see. I would imagine
1: there's got to be quite a bit of overlap between our audiences there. At least at this point,
3: if you're uh, if you're not a Michigan Tech fan and you're listening right now, let's get a tweet to the Chasing MacPod account so we can find out who's actually listening. That's not Tech yeah, fans.
1: Do do we have to have a Dustin now explains part, or do people get yeah, the fact that we're saying something off the Joe give show? Give us a
3: tweet that says <laughs> I support such and such team, so we know uh, what's
0: going on here. That'd be great. <laughs> I, I just love that we've done this. Um, you know, how, not too many episode so far, and uh, every one that I've been on, I've been able to pull an analogy out of the out of the Joe show so you, far.
3: You have, except I think a couple of them didn't make it past the cutting room floor for time, but... Oh, um, gotta go on Patreon. You gotta to go on those. Patreon to listen to all of them, And, <laughs> and I felt so bad, because we, we name-dropped AppArch for doing the hate listen, and then I cut it for time so it was only available on Patreon and I couldn't get him to hate pay $5 a month to listen... <laughs> so i'll drop it again and maybe this won't get cut all right so i think we're just going to go right into more questions so one of my college roommates mark hill decided to ask a whole bunch of questions let's see how much we want to try and touch on these does mtu athletics or does mtu support athletics to the same level as successful programs like umd and wisconsin etc first off i'm gonna just laugh at you mark for including wisconsin in this because they are kind of they're like they're they're decent but their program is not really in good shape right now in the big 10 and and they haven't been good basically since what four years before they fired their last
1: coach they haven't been good, but it's not been for a fault of money. I mean, no. from a support perspective, oh, no. from the administration side, no, that's true. they have one of the top but, paid staffs in the year or in the country, right?
3: But, but like, yeah, they're not. Their coaching staff costs, what, probably like $800,000 a year, something like that? Right, it's absurd. It's crazy. But, but, like, bottom line, they're not getting
0: their bang for their buck because they can't even win a questionable Big Ten. No. I mean, b- bottom line is um, over the last seven, six or seven years, Michigan Tech has been hands down the more successful team in Wisconsin. And it, and it really isn't even close. No.
3: It, it, Wisconsin. And and um, to, to to bluntly answer the question, I think Michigan Tech is doing a great job of supporting their team. I think the, the behind-the-scenes stuff is going well. You know, Joe is not underpaid. Joe has not had a problem keeping his assistants. I think they get paid pretty well comparative to, you know, maybe not the top... Five programs in the country but they're right there with everybody else i think you know joe's paid well um you know he's given the ability to keep a guy like tyler Shelast around it helps that tyler probably isn't that motivated to leave because he's got a connection there and, and the facilities are good behind the scenes the rink is good the facelift looks you know has been awesome uh the scoreboard's good the suites are helping everything the attendance is good the production quality and the the athletic department ability to provide good content online and everything else is good i you know like michigan tech is in the top third as far as i'm concerned as of as far as like quality from top to bottom I, anybody disagree with that
0: no and and it, it is a night and day difference from when, when i was a student at tech to what yeah. it is now it, the I don't know what the difference in investment or spending is between now and then, but the difference in quality of, of every, everything from facilities that you can see, from facilities you can't see to the product they put on the ice, everything is so much better than it used to be. It, it's It's not even really comparable.
3: No, I think some of it's just been, you know, Suzanne's done a great job of getting the right people involved and the people that are doing it. Care, and I've talked about that a couple times on the show. Where it, like it just feels like some of these other teams, especially in the WCHA, don't take enough pride in what they're doing. And I don't get that sense from Tech at all, um, from a production side or the athletic side. Like you know, Calvin Larson's always great about getting back to me in a timely manner on most stuff, getting me pictures when I ask for them, and and the you know the tech community is great on so many levels, and Joe's been good for that.
1: How many other universities do you hear about a fan bus going to one of their farthest road trips, right? Right. The Misfits are going to Huntsville this year.
3: Are they? Yeah, the
1: Misfits are doing an organized trip to Huntsville this year. Awesome, I love it. That is not something you hear about at other schools for the most part.
3: No, not a regular season game, not at all. Right. But that's cool. That's probably why I haven't heard much about other games because they're saving their money for that. Tech supports their athletics well, especially the hockey team.
1: Oh, it's the crown jewel of the sports side. But even if you look at the rest of that, though, the athletic department—I mean, it's obviously the only D one sport. But Tech basketball has been a fantastic program for a long time too. The on the men's and the women's side, they've both had their successes. You know, the football team was nearly nearly taken out. Uh, you know, and and canceled, and and but they've. They're now remodeling Sherman Field, right? Yeah. I mean, so athletics in general at tech, I think, are ran extremely well from the from the the administration side and it shows.
3: No, I, I think Suzanne is a great leader for that program, top to bottom. You know, she's been good to us. She's she in general, she's just done a really good job of of uh finding the right coaches. And, you know, when she talks on the on the broadcast She does a good job of talking about how, you know, the UP is not for everybody, but, you know, she does a really good job of finding people that want to be there. And her coaches do a really good job of finding athletes that want to be there. Yeah. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash tech hockey guide. Patrons at the black level or above receive an authentic MTU jersey patch and access to extra podcast content, including the unpublished episode 0, which is up now, as well as the extended version of last week's episode and probably this week's because we're sitting at 100 minutes right now. Follow us on Twitter at chasing Macpod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through our email address, chasing Mac at techhockeyguide.com or send us a voice message directly on anchor.fm/chasingmacpod. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know. We'll make that happen. Uh, Please check out Jonathan Zemeda's series previews every Friday and Mike Antleitner's Old Dog in Texas column every Wednesday. I believe this week you're going to get a special column from Jonathan to talk about uh, rules and referees. We'll see how that goes. There should be some semi-regular content on Mondays and Tuesdays going forward from Matt Cavender and myself. I hope to have out uh, some recruiting content this week or maybe next week. You can find all this and more at techhockeyguide.com. Uh, we have a couple extra thank yous this week. One more shout out to our first group of patrons, Steve Buck, Marvin Wilson, Mark Bailey, and Alex Sleepack. And thanks to Mitch Lake for being kind enough to record a in new introduction for the podcast. As always, special thanks to our patron, St. Doc Mcreson for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Also, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankunotes.bandcamp.com. Random,
1: random stat question for you. Who's got the best plus minus on the team right now?
3: the best plus minus is this a
1: yeah i was surprised by it is this a test no i honestly i was surprised by it looking here as i'm looking around
3: rockwell Suretsky.
1: yep no rockwell's got it <laughs> plus six
3: plus six maybe i'll leave that on there while the music's playing
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure
2: Who never had a chance? Twenty-something year old renegade, working with his hands, living to be the man, giving into the plan, Sniff the 50 50- No.